everybody, and welcome back to the Outbreak Podcast, an outlet for discussing creativity and the great beyond. We also discuss everything from gaming to film to the dark and dreary corners of the internet. I'm your host on this wild ride, William Key. How is everybody doing today? We're back for episode 104 this week. It's Thursday. I'm still recording it at the plant. Uh, I actually just got back yesterday um, because I went away midweek for our company's annual sales meeting. This is my first time away uh, from home in a while without Finn. And I stayed in a hotel uh, out in Niagara on the lake. Um, And it was also my first time staying in a hotel by myself. I had no idea what to even do with myself. So I got there at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I wasn't expected to be participating until around 4.30. So I was like twiddling my thumbs. I had this like king size bed, a nice sized room. It was kind of like organizing my stuff. And then I sat there and I'm like, man, what what do I do now? Like, this is weird. I turned on the TV. There wasn't anything interesting on. So I just opened up my laptop and started working a bit. But I, I didn't really work. I was just kind of scrolling through Twitter. And then, you know, the we commenced with like the dinner in the evening. We had a nice like social uh, with the company and then the actual meeting which took place yesterday uh, with salespeople. It was a lot of like networking with the different regions uh, within our company and meeting a bunch of faces that we haven't seen since pre-COVID. And this being my first time at a meeting of this scale, it was really nice to see and really nice to see um, at least with my department that I'm working in and presenting some of the work that we've been doing to the salespeople and seeing just the excitement on their faces as to sort of the quality of our work and how it's increased uh, over the past couple of years, especially with us, um, a number of us being fairly new to the team and bringing a new sort of form of energy that wasn't there before. And my position specifically, which was created for me, um, to jump into marketing was an area that they felt that they were lacking within the company. And so I think that I'm, I'm helping out in that way, alleviate a lot of work from some of the superiors in uh, the marketing department to free them up to think more big picture about the company. But our team's continuing to grow and it's, it's amazing to see um, the turnout. It was amazing for that to feel that positive energy and be in the room and be a part of something great. But I got home yesterday, you know, you know, just in time to play volleyball with my wife and our team. And then today I'm back in uh, back at the plant in Georgetown recording this again. It seems to be a growing trend. I, it's funny. Aside from that uh, little audio hiccup I experienced on episode 101, the last couple of episodes have been recorded here at the plant on a Thursday afternoon, which reminds me a lot of like pre-episode 100, more than a year ago when I was recording it uh, in the plant on like a Friday evening for a Saturday turnaround. I hope this doesn't become a recurring trend. It's just the last couple of weeks, you know, I typically record, you know, Thursday evenings. Uh, my wife goes to rugby, but the last couple of weeks, weather's been very spotty. And today in particular, she's working until seven and she won't have time to go to rugby, which so she'll be home. And I told her, she's like, I don't mind if you record, like, I'll just be quiet. And I'm like, it's not that I just don't like recording in front of an audience. You know what I mean? Like it's one thing if I was in the next room, you know, but we're kind of in like a, a shared space. We don't have a very large apartment, so I, I don't want to take up that entire apartment with me doing the podcast while she's sitting awkwardly on her like phone with her AirPods in. You know, it's just it's a strange sort of environment. But otherwise, uh, getting into what I've been sort of experiencing the past week, nothing really different from uh, the week prior. You know, I pushed a little further in Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance, close to the end. I think I'm on the final level, and the last I had played with of it, which I think was Monday. 
or even Sunday night, I was I was Riku facing a boss in the world that never was. Uh, wasn't able to beat him yet, but I will beat him hopefully before the next episode. As well, still pushing my way through Too Hot to Handle Season 4. I am currently on Episode 7. It, again, the, the thing about the, these like reality television shows with the handsome and attractive individuals is that it feels like it just drags on forever and god this show is so unnecessarily long and and it's the kind of show that like you almost feel bad watching it by yourself like you feel like you're not gaining anything from watching the show by yourself it almost begs for a group sort of like party watch right it's not the type of show that is bingeable by yourself much like say survivor or something which is a little more like fast-paced a bit more action to that Otherwise, that is really all I have been watching. Uh, I wanted to get into some of our stories for the week. You know, we have some big, big announcements, especially yesterday, which is now being our top story. We got a brand new Nintendo Direct, the first one of the year. So this is essentially was going to show us a lot of the major games that are going to be dropping within the first half of the year. And it, I don't think it disappointed at all. You know, we got some shadow drops. We got some announcements, some confirmed release dates, and some other surprise games that have resurfaced that are actually in development over at Nintendo. So in no particular order, I'm going to sort of talk about what was shown. Referring to the article I'm reading in front of me, they wanted to focus on Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom first. So I think that's a good place to start. It was the final trailer that we got from the Nintendo Direct, and it showed a lot more uh, gameplay, a lot more gameplay that we weren't expecting. And then there was a um, vehicular travel, like you can travel by like almost like a car, and then there was like a flying sort of... um, glider that you could use to get up to the sky area and i funny enough i think it was um mikey aaronworth at retrograde mikey on twitter that posted uh that same day calling it the legend of zelda nuts and bolts because that's the feeling i got from it was that it was like banjo kazooie nuts and bolts elements with the, the vehicle travel which wasn't an emphasis in the first game let me make that clear there were no vehicles there was you got your paraglider and your horse and that was it this one i think I feel as if Tears of the Kingdom, because it looks basically identical to Breath of the Wild in terms of graphics, gameplay, and combat, a few changes here and there, this almost feels like it's a 1.5 to Breath of the Wild. I don't feel like it's going to be one of those games that is pushing the Switch to its, its limits, much like, you know, some of the newer titles that are coming out these days. It's interesting to see that like there were a lot of people complaining on Twitter about the price point for Tears of the Kingdom, which I'm not too surprised at the price. I mean, it's $70 US, $90 Canadian. That sort of makes sense. That That is kind of, you know, Nintendo is known for, you know, charging a premium on Nintendo products and keeping the price pretty high for a number of years. But people were complaining about this because it appears with some of the titles we got on the Switch uh, Direct that we're getting close to possibly the end of the Switch's life cycle. You know, we got the OLED model and people are already looking ahead to seeing like what kind of games are we going to see on a potentially next-gen console? Or is there any more life left in the Switch? Are we going to get a Switch Pro, which is going to be sort of an updated version that would at least keep the switch alive for another five years people are thinking that we may only have like another two years left in the switch like on average i haven't seen a number but my guess would be another two years and then we'd be moving up to the next gen 
we may even be getting conversations as early as this year about what the next gen console could be. But Tears of the Kingdom, I I mean, I wasn't thoroughly impressed with this trailer. And when I was talking to Alex earlier today, uh, SideJester99, we kind of both agreed that this trailer wasn't really the, the best trailer. There were elements that didn't really surprise me. There were elements that were borrowed from Breath of the Wild that seemed to carry on here. You got some new enemy types as well. But it's you're still traversing Hyrule, and then you have the additional air area. But I'm wondering, how are they going to sort of build upon what we've already been able to experience through Breath of the Wild in terms of the traversal and getting around the world? And are we going to be seeing... It's going to be taking place in a different period of time, like a more aged version of Hyrule. And are there going to be areas that are either blocked off or we can't access or newer areas we can access within this open world, aside from what we're already seeing in the air, because we know all that stuff is new. I'm talking on the surface, on the ground level. Are there going to be areas that we're going to be able to traverse that weren't in the first game? That's what I want to know. And I feel like that should be something that um, we're going to find out when we get the game come May. Moving forward, we got a surprise announcement of a long-awaited remaster for the original Metroid Prime from the GameCube, which is making its way to Switch uh, and actually dropped uh, yesterday on the eShop. This is this is fantastic. This means that aside from Metroid Dread, there's still possibly hope for Metroid Prime 4 uh, in the near future, whether it be on this console or next-gen console. It's nice to see Metroid Prime uh, get remastered in this way. The trailer, or the direct, started with a brand new gameplay trailer for Pikmin 4. It, it didn't, obviously, Olimar isn't the main character in this, it looks like. A brand new character. You're going through this almost photorealistic environment. You're getting some new Pikmins, uh, new Pikmin that are coming back, including an ice-based Pikmin, and some different colored Pikmins. Obviously, some recurring ones from past games that carry the same abilities. But then there's this new uh, dog-like creature that's sort of uh, accompanying you and also helps you throughout the world. This game also got a confirmation that it's going to come out July 21st, so it's hitting this summer. I think this is going to be a big game on the Switch this year and definitely um, going to be a lot of fun. I did gloss over Splatoon 3 because apparently there's an expansion pass coming to that. Didn't really pay too much attention to that. Another major announcement was that Nintendo Switch Online is getting Game Boy Color, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance titles. Um, some of these include Tetris, Metroid 2, Legend of Zelda Minish Cap, Fire Emblem, and more. They were made available to the subscription service as of the announcement of the Direct. So adding Game Boy, Game Boy Advance to the already growing uh, catalog of Sega Genesis, NES, as well as the N64 just another reason to get Nintendo Switch online. And I think that like it's a lot more attractive now with the addition of these games and with games that are coming in the future. So it's and it's a great way to play a lot of these older titles on a massive console like the Switch. This one was a surprise. Advance Wars 1 plus 2 Reboot Camp now has an official launch date after being canceled indefinitely or delayed indefinitely due to the war in Ukraine. Um, the strategy game will be coming to the Switch on April 21st, so we will see the release of this game. We also got another title called Samba de Amigo Party Central, which essentially looks like Just Dance, but with maracas, so that might be fun. Uh, another title called Ghost Trick, which is, I believe, a... I don't know if it's a sequel, or it seems like it's a it's a combination of like Phoenix, right, and like a mystery game, paranormal detective game. 
So it is a uh, Capcom developed. It will be coming to the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, as well as Steam. A couple of more RPGs that were mentioned, and I'm not going to go over everything. I know we got Baton Kato's is coming. Etrian Odyssey uh, Trilogy is coming to to the Switch. These were This is the classic DS dungeon crawling series, and they are going to be coming to the, uh, the Switch as well. We got some um, demos that are coming for both Octopath Traveler 2 as well as Sea of Stars and a number of other features as well. So I, all in all, I thought it was a very, very good Nintendo Switch Direct for the beginning of the year. Got some more gameplay for Breath of the Wild, uh, or Breath of the Wild 2, Tears of the Kingdom, as well Pikmin 4, that was a big one, and I think the Nintendo Switch Online expansion, a great way to start off uh, this year. I am cautiously optimistic about Tears of the Kingdom. I think it's going to do well, I think it's going to be fantastic, but I think that looking at this trailer... And me and Alex were kind of on the same page about this. This feels like the equivalent of God of War Ragnarok to the original 2018 God of War. Like it feels almost like an expansion to an already perfect game. And it is going to be hard to top one of the games that is essentially uh, changing the formula. You know, much like if Elden Ring decides to make a sequel, it's going to be very hard to sort of top what is near perfection uh, for this industry and a reference point back for what games should be like. The next story was something that dropped as well yesterday, and it was a surprise announcement from Disney CEO Bob Iger, who had teased some brand new installments or sequels um, to upcoming major franchises. So these were announced on an earnings call on Wednesday. Bob Iger told investors that there are going to be new installments for Toy Story, Frozen, and Zootopia, and that they is showing an example of how they are leaning into their unrivaled brands. The Toy Story sequel was confirmed by Tim Allen on Twitter, who did say he's going to be returning as Buzz Lightyear. So this gives us this brings us to the fifth entry in the Toy Story franchise, the third for Frozen, and the second for Zootopia. Now these are all popular franchises, don't get me wrong, but I have a little bit of a hesitation with Toy Story, only because that film has already tried to end for the past two movies. Toy Story 3 would have been a perfect ending, and in a way, it was a perfect ending for people who watched the classic 1 and 2 and felt like this was a perfect way to sort of cap off Andy's story and his time with the toys. Toy Story 4 was a fun film, and I think it was also set up to sort of be the end of the Toy Story franchise, and I think Lightyear was supposed to be its own thing. It wasn't really tied to Toy Story, but it featured the character in a real-life setting or like based on the real Buzz Lightyear who isn't really a real character but now I'm wondering what direction that they're taking I feel like they're just now milking Toy Story the franchise because they know that the fans are fans of Toy Story and the sad thing is is that I would probably still go and watch it and I think that is the issue Frozen 3 Zootopia 2 I'm not I'm not too surprised by those announcements I think Frozen 3 um makes sense because the second film did set up the idea of a possible other like beings with other powers much like elsa in frozen 2 zootopia just seems like such a massive film in itself that you could explore so much more of that world with those characters it was such a fun uh world to explore and every time i think of sequels i'm thinking to myself this is more kingdom hearts fodder here now they can keep pulling from these movies to tell stories in their games i'm like okay then yes the frozen 2 i think came out back in 2019 zootopia came out in 2016 as well we got 
Toy Story 4 had also come out in 2019. So all these films, you know, they've kind of moved away from a lot of these major franchises that were building new movies, including Strange World. They've got Elemental and, and Wish that are coming out later this year. So we've got like major Disney and Pixar stories that are coming down the pipe. But I, I'd be surprised to see like, I, I haven't seen a lot of positive reaction aside from the people who were replying to Tim Allen's tweets on Twitter. People wondering, like, why do we need to revisit Toy Story? Like, it was already a near-perfect ending for the film. And, I mean, I would imagine that all the the actors are going to be coming back to reprise their roles. I would not be surprised by that. But let's move ahead to our next story. So, as part of a change to their pricing model, AMC Theaters, uh, you know, the big kind of like Cineplex-like theater brand is now going to be charging tickets based on the location of your seats across their venues. So this offers the best seats for higher prices. They're they're doing this as they've noticed a number of challenges in recent years with the chain in the midst of recovering after experiencing massive losses due to closures throughout the COVID-19 pandemic and large studios changing their release strategies. As reported by Variety, AMC Theatres is set to change their pricing model ahead of 2023's most anticipated film releases with the introduction of their Sightline initiative. So with Sightline, cinema goers will see seating divided into three pricing options. Standard will offer traditional seating prices across the most common seats in auditoriums. Value Sightline will be available for AMC Stubbs members and offer seats in the front row of the auditorium. And Preferred Sightline will charge seats in the middle of the auditorium at premium rates, with AMC Stubbs A-list members able to pre-book Preferred Sightline seats. This initiative is set to roll out across select locations in New York, Chicago, and Kansas on Friday before expanding across venues across the country later in the year. I think it is an interesting experience. I know that some people were not very pleased with this idea. I understand it more for, say, a live showing um, or even a concert, but to go to a movie and to kind of sit where you want to sit, that's always sort of been the experience of the movie. And to think that this is sort of their way to sort of make money, I think that it may push people away from the theater even more, to be honest. You know, you're going to have those certain films, uh, obviously, like that are made for the fi- like made for the theater like avatar is an experience much more than it is a decent film you kind of go for the experience and you come away f- from it being like wow that was that was a film that you know really sort of like pushed the levels of like versatility and and sort of experience i don't know if this means they're going to be charging it for even standard non d box or non 3d seats i think that if that were the case I would like to see the price model because that was the area I didn't actually see how much the tickets were going to be based on price. I mean, tickets have already gone up a lot in price, especially since pre-COVID. Um, and and at least here in Canada, you know, Tuesday nights at Cineplex were discount night. I think they were the same for AMC as well. I don't think that this model is going to do very well, especially if they're looking to make money right now to stay relevant. And I know that they offered sort of like a rental rental uh, offerings on their website as well, much like Cineplex. I think that this may only be relevant for, say, the big experience films, like a lot of your summer blockbusters. That would make sense. But still, I, I'm not okay with the idea, personally. I, I like that ability to be able to choose where I want to sit. And latecomers, you know, that's your own problem. Get to the theater early enough, find the best seat, and get comfortable. Don't worry about oh, no, now we have to pay to sit in a premium spot, which is like the middle to the top level. Like, ugh, that sucks. 
Finally, our last story, and this one might not be necessarily relevant to any to everyone on YouTube, but if you have been kicking around YouTube at least in the past year, and you're somewhat familiar with the idea of creepypastas and to an extent liminal spaces and found footage films, you may have heard of Kane Pixels. So this um, young man, 17-year-old Kane Pixels, aka Kane Parsons is his real name. He's a director and visual effects artist that you know, he kind of blew up on YouTube following this viral success of a mysterious short that he made called The Backrooms Found Footage. And it's the first of a series of found footage horror films that have led to this sort of almost like an ARG. It's sort of like an experience that is living on YouTube right now that appears real, but it is entirely made within, I believe, Blender. And he is doing this all uh, from the comfort of his home. And he's only 17 years old. That's what's amazing. This kid is still in high school. What I'm getting at is that the backrooms is blown up to when I was listening to a podcast that he was on, the found footage original film has more than 36 million views on its own, whereas all the videos put together have garnered nearly 100 million views. So backrooms and Kane and Kane Parsons are now going to be um, adapting the backrooms for the big screen by A24, Atomic Monster, Chernin Entertainment and 21 Labs. So the details to the plot of this sci-fi horror feature are under wraps at the moment, but it may essentially follow the premise of the original short, which featured a young filmmaker's fall into another dimension, leaving him wandering through an unsettlingly yellow, empty, and labyrinth office space based on the popular creepypasta image of the backrooms um, and the sort of lore and the wiki behind the backrooms um, otherworldly space. I think it's amazing that for such a young um, creator, somebody who sort of is a take charge, do it himself person, he makes his own music, he makes his own scripting, he he films and he shoots and he edits. He does this entire series himself. I'm going to see if I can find a link to his YouTube channel and I want to put it in here. And I highly recommend you guys start from the beginning and just watch all of the, the footage and watch everything that he does. And think about this. This guy is he's so young to have you know gained this much experience. Um, he started in sort of producing shorts for around Attack on Titan, but then quickly switched into doing this series based around the backrooms and found success with that first uh, video and has made it into a larger um, story that is still ongoing today. So you can get caught up and sort of you know watch along. It is really interesting, borrows a lot of elements from shows like Mr. Robot, from Severance, and you know, found footage horror films as well. Really cool to see that this is being adapted into a film. He is going to be directing the, the feature film as well, so I feel as if it's going to still carry the same sort of reverence as it does the YouTube short, and I'm hoping that it does. And I'm hoping that by working with a big budget, uh, a bigger budget, and with Hollywood necessarily, that it doesn't get lost to sort of the AAA Hollywood glamorizing the story and changing it in certain ways to, to tell a certain story. I hope it sort of keeps to its original premise that he is, it leaves it shrouded in mystery in that way. So going into our poll questions, uh, last week I asked you guys if you thought James Gunn's recent reveal of the DC slate was setting a promising trajectory for DC's future. Uh, so I wanted to know yes, no, or if you don't care. Turned out that 80% of you thought that this was a promising trajectory, that you agreed this recent reveal was a promising trajectory for DC's future, while 20% of you, you didn't really care. That makes sense. I don't think anybody was, you know on the no side for James Gunn. I think that people had their faith in James Gunn. 
people were a little upset, obviously, that Henry Cavill didn't come back and that James Gunn was sort of canceling different television. Or they, they figured he had a hand in canceling popular television shows like Doom Patrol and Titans, whereas he wasn't involved in those at all. But it's still early days, and we have to sort of give him the benefit of the doubt and let him have a chance to sort of tell the stories that he feels is going to make DC relevant again and a direct competitor to Marvel's cinematic universe. Now, I want to ask you guys for this week's poll question, I want to know what your favorite announcement from Nintendo Direct was this month. Pikmin 4, was it Metroid Prime Remaster, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, or was it the announcement of the Game Boy and Game Boy Advance on Nintendo Switch Online? And if none of those were your favorite, you can sound off in the comments on this Twitter uh, question when it comes live at the airing of this episode. But that being said, thank you guys so much for listening. You can head over to my blog, wkey.wordpress.com, where I occasionally will post feature-length articles, news pieces, opinions on generally anything I find interesting. If you want to follow me on social media, here are a couple of places to do so. You can find me on Hive at William Outbreak. You can find the podcast. You can find me, William, at, on TikTok at William Outbreak as well. William Outbreak. You can search on Redbubble to find some unique shirt, clothing designs, or even accessories, whatever you prefer, bath mat and apron, you know, that all that stuff. It's it's some weird, obscure stuff, but you'll find it there. If you want to follow this podcast on Twitter, the podcast Twitter account is at Podcast Outbreak, but you can feel free to follow me on my personal Twitter account, which is at Will Key. Uh, as well, this podcast is available on anchor.fm backslash the Outbreak Podcast, and from there, it gets distributed to anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, which I do hope is me still. This includes... Apple, Google, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Castro, Castbox, TuneIn Plus Alexa, Amazon Music Plus Audible, and I'm sure a ton more. So wherever you listen to podcasts, I should be there. And make sure you subscribe, make sure you leave a review wherever you listen, uh, and just let me know what you think of the podcast. If there's anything you'd wish I could do for the future, anything you don't like, any criticism, I'll take whatever you, you can handle. I have somewhat of a thick skin, but don't bash me too hard. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a little like sad boy underneath this thick skin, heart of gold. You know, I just, I'm just trying to do good, to do good for the gaming community here. Uh, kind of put my own little spin on this. Thank you guys so much for listening and have yourselves a great night. <laughs>